We're going behind closed doors into living rooms all around the country. <laughs> oh, bollocks. <laughs> I would say he would be called maybe a bit of a media who? Or how do you say media? Media prostitute, perhaps. Bonjourno. La 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 Ted, imagine if we won Welcome to Tesla East Dan, episode 135, and it's me, Gary P, and of course, the Prof Gary Riley. Now, Gary, is this a level 2 or a level 3 podcast episode today? Uh, I don't even know. Seriously, we're going in the dark. We're running in blind at this stage. Um, Ocean Electrical, still sponsors, still fantastic, still the best electrical guys out there. So, uh, yeah, they'll look after you. We need that electrical done. So, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about the win in Cork last Saturday. Uh, Prof has a nice stat about that and they're going to look ahead to the game everyone is talking about AC Milan and Zlatan and Tala and we have an interview with Milan supporter Mauro Maroni to help us do it so we have a jam-packed show you probably noticed that we sound a little different that's because we're not in the same room we've had to record the show on Zoom so we won't even disclose why because <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to create a panic this is definitely your first yeah um, we'll talk about it next week but it all dies down but uh, yeah it, it's it's fairly interesting to say the least um, yeah uh, yesterday Prof was sitting in the sitting room and ESPN got in touch and they uh, they want more of the media horror they uh, they want to talk about the game talk about Sean Grubbs and stuff like that so that'll be out in the next while I don't know what they want as regards to audio or video or anything like that but it's cool cool that they got in touch and the reporter is a Sligo fan. This is gonna blow Sean Condon out of the water, Gar. Yeah, yeah. He thought he thought he could usurp me, didn't he? He thought he could <laughs> just step, step in. Now he's gonna learn the hard way. But yeah, that was cool. Um, Sligo fan, and she was like, uh, "I won't mention the real Rovers." By the way, what can we expect from tonight's Goggle Box? Any more shouter? Oh God, I'm hoping they edit everything. <laughs> Everything. I hope they just cut me from out of the whole show. Uh, I don't think I can have a few sherries anymore while I'm watching this <laughs> Gogglebox stuff. Because it's, <laughs> it's getting too much. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, just a reminder about the new forum. It's srfcultrasforum.com. And if you want to sign up. So, uh, the prof, the Laurel, did Laurel Jules. That's me, isn't it? Well, that's your name. I signed up as the prof. I'm, I'm still waiting on Laurel Jules. Oh right, so yeah, ha- it's actually brand brand new, like brand spanking new. Everything yeah, gone. Yeah, do it all previous. again. Yeah. Oh, then I'll sign up. Yeah, I'll go back. 
Um, yeah, so that's the forum, srfcultrasforum.com. So sign up and go old school. Finner. We Finner on LOI Weekly, and he was really good. The usual from Finner. And um, Prof, I didn't get to listen to this one. Tell us a little bit about it. Ah, well, he was sort of uh, level-headed, as you'd expect. At that stage, we were only five points ahead, I think, in the league. And he was saying nothing's over yet. And it was just just interesting stuff about sort of thinking about post-career and all. So, no, really good interview. Yeah, he, has his, uh, he has his head screwed on with regards to his post-career. He's yeah. uh, an intelligent dude. He did go to UCD, unlike, unlike Greg Bolger. Yeah, he yeah, was told he would get a get a course. Yeah, he was told it was a handy course there. I think he ended up sweeping the dugouts. <laughs> so, yeah, great stuff by Finner, El Capitan, and um, the Europa League is on the horizon. And we've loads of merch in the mega store. We've got half and half everything, half and half jocks, half and half socks. Everything's half half pin badges. We've got scarves. We've got pennants. We've got absolutely everything, so uh, loads to commemorate this huge fixture. Huge fixture. Still can't believe it. I sat down yesterday and I talked to myself, we're playing AC Milan competitively. Like I put, and I put it into the chat, I was like, AC Milan are coming to... Zlatan Ibrahimovic is going to be playing in Tala competitively. Unbelievable. And I see that Milan have started to back off and uh, bring the big guns with them. They had a few changes to their squad. If they, they know what they're up against now. They're starting to run scared. Um, you do injure yourself, don't you? I know, it's crazy. It's it's very hard to believe that we're actually playing them competitively. And you're getting, like every everyone, you know you know what it's like when you sport league world and work and some people don't and they'll, they'll come over to you and they'll, they'll be like, oh, you see, man, like it's just unbelievable. Everybody is at it. And it's, it is, there's a tinge of sadness with it as well considering we can't actually do everything we want with the fixture, but um, it's just something that you have to deal with in the current climate. But we've over 1,100 copies of the Milan program, which has been sold as of Sunday. So uh, some, some great business being done there. There were still a few copies left as this morning. They might be gone now. So make sure that you get your copy. Uh, bumper issue of this epic, epic fixture. So yeah, I'm, Prof, I'm you've, still, got, you've got an article? I'm still reading. Yeah, like it's, it's absolutely excellent. I know I would say that, but it is genuinely fantastic. I've got one myself and you've got Samantha Library, Con Murphy. You got the literary genius that is Jason Maloney. So loads of content. Actually, a great photo as well by Bobby Best because he was on the touchline that day. That so that Dan previously came up against Joey O'Brien, Ireland versus Sweden, two thousand six. So it's a cool In picture Joey of that Dan. Pocket, yeah. yeah. There's, um. Yeah, so uh, like we said, eleven hundred copies and some great stuff in there. Uh, even even our. Little Bo's friend was paying backhanded compliments to the program there not too recently. So, uh, you know, it's it's good stuff when you're getting tips from the north side. So, uh, yeah, government announcement on announced spectators back into sporting venues. Should we just ignore this? Why, why are we even paying attention to what they're saying at the moment? It's so confusing. They, they literally are going around in circles. I don't know. I don't know if we should even bother paying attention anymore we should probably just uh, be a rule to ourselves and just well, let everyone in this well, summed it, well summed it up in work was when it was announced a few people came up to me and they were like oh great you, you can have 200 people in the ground on Thursday 
And I had to keep explaining to them one by one. I was like, no, first of all, your wife have decided it's behind closed doors, no matter what we say. And number two, it's 100 people for Dublin and 200 people for most of the rest of Ireland. Yeah. So it's, it's little or no consolation to us. It means nothing. And um, if, if you want to like, go back and forth and talk about contradiction, contradictions and um, where things have gone wrong, like, it just makes no sense. Like, you, can, you can have more at an under-9s game than you can have at a League of Ireland game. And it's just it just doesn't make any sense. There's no enforcement of distancing in any sports or anything like that. It's just such a shambles. And I think the only way you're going to stay safe and corona-free is to look after yourself and make sure that you have your own house in order and probably don't listen to guidelines that the government are giving out because it's just a shambles. Make sure that you stay safe yourself. That's your best bet. They're just making up as they go along, basically. Yeah, it is. It's crazy. So we're not going to be getting into games this season. That's what I think. Could be something sneaky down the line. But other than that, I am not holding any hope of getting into a game this season. So, um, yeah, that is their announcement on allowing people back into sparring venues. I think the GAA could have had a bit of pull there, but we won't be tanking them anytime soon. But we had the, the hot topic of the last two weeks. This is going to be one of the probably most interesting books you'll ever read. It's the extracts from Champagne Football. A book analysing the John Delaney years and the 2019 fall from grace of the long-serving CEO, published in the Sunday Times, and we found out that FAI paid a bill of over of one million Delaney's personal bills. He, how much did he use as cash? That's what really pissed me off. He used the he used the credit card as cash. You know, it was at the ATM. Yeah, that was mentioned as well. He used mad money. Like this is gonna like how can there be no accountability here? If you read the article, it breaks it down how it comes to that one million and it's just staggering somehow the revelations just keep getting worse you don't think it's possible but it is they keep getting worse as far as i know from the most recent article i read he had something like 300 a day expenses so before he put his own hand in his pocket he had 300 quid to mess around with every single day and that was okayed as part of his position in the FAI, like that's just insane. That's fifteen hundred quid a year. That's what fifteen, like a thousand. That's over seventy thousand in just expenditure a year. Just what he could flew around with and buy suits and stuff like that. Like it's absolutely criminal. And there should be accountability for the backroom staff who were involved as well and people who knew about it. I mean, they just stood by and let it happen. So that those are the people they need to be looking at as well. I know people. It's it's a big thing to be a whistleblower and put your hand up and say, listen, this is happening and it's wrong. But, Jesus, we're totally, totally fucked now financially. And we won't recover for this for a long time. But the personal bills, like like the 50th, the 50th birthday party. Yeah. 70 grand? 70 grand on a 50th birthday party. 70 grand oh, for, oh. The, for the birthday party. But then Delaney had to loan them 100,000. That's where his downfall was, wasn't it? The bridging loan. That's, what that's kind of what led uh, that journalist to uh, really uncover everything, yeah. I saw Mark a headline Toy, today yeah. that his actual downfall was the the five million from, from FIFA you know, for the for the Henri handball. Yeah. That's when things started to really get dodgy. Yeah, you know when you get like a massive payment and it just doesn't go declared. Like it's nuts. Yeah. You don't hear about it until a year or two later. <laughs> yeah. Until someone uncovers it and you're like, where the fuck is this money? Right, yeah. So that was it. Anyway, it's um, 
we're going to, and in honour of the new book, we are going to replay our exclusive interview with JD, which took place in the Four Provinces a little year ago. So, um, big shout out to the Four Provinces again. They're working hard to keep themselves going in this crisis. They're going to be, they're still canning up Poddle, Piper, new beers, left, right, centre. So, give them a shout. Give them some business. You can find them online. Um, they're going to be opening up. Hopefully, they'd be regarded as one of these wet pubs. So, uh, they're, they always looked after us, willing to give us a venue. Um, a great little partnership we have with them. So check them out, and they actually have some delicious beers. Uh, so check them out, and yeah, here is JD from just over a year ago. Our next and final guest of our our set audience of ten. After this, it's open to you guys. People that just joined us, you can join in. It's a bit of a coup, isn't it? Bro? Yeah. So our next guest is a very controversial figure. His appearance at the Leinster House in April was well publicised but he's never been on this show before so maybe we can finally get him to answer some questions so ladies and gentlemen John Delaney Deputies, Professor, uh, Senator Mick McCarthy, um, I would like to address you on the issue of the €100,000 loan. On legal advice, I am precluded from making any further comments in the hearing in relation to the, the, the finances of the Association or my former role as Supreme Leader, VIP, VP, CEO of the FAI. Uh, in the interest of fair procedures and natural justice, while I have made this statement to the Four Provinces Committee, I have attended this meeting voluntarily. Uh, I am not in a position to answer any questions here at this time. I would like that the Four Provinces Committee uh, respect this position. I am, as you know, passionate about football and, and always have been. Uh, I am currently working on a bid to get Gary Twigg and Cristiano Ronaldo uh, into Johnny Blues Bar, which I think would provide thousands of euros in revenue from autograph signings. I have my legal advisor here, Pajo, um, who will handle any questions that may arise about my former position However, I am more than happy to answer any questions in relation to my current role as a freelance football association advisor, a job which began about an hour ago. <laughs> so, thank you. So, John, you're very welcome. You're very, very, very welcome to uh, the Four Provinces, and normally it would be Johnny Blues, but tell us, uh, have you heard much about the Tifty's podcast? <laughs> He's consulting with his advisor. <laughs> Uh, I refer to my earlier statement. I can't <laughs> okay, I mean, Mr. Lane, you've obviously made your statement there, but there's so many things we need to ask you. There was a series of revelations made about your finances. So, what's the real story behind the 100,000 euro loan? Is it true that has something to do with your divorce? <laughs> it is all mouth. <laughs> I refer to my earlier statement. I can't answer any questions here. Okay. What about the story that came out recently that the FBI funds were used to fund your extravagant 50th birthday bash? <laughs> For the record, uh, he is referring to his financial advisor, Pajo Flynn. Legal. Legal. Legal and financial. Legal. <laughs> 
Uh, as I said before, I referred to my earlier statement, I can't answer anything uh, at, at this time. So, where do we go? Nice weather we've been having the last few weeks, eh? <laughs> Once again, I referred to my earlier statement, <laughs> I can't answer any questions at this time. Well, what can we talk about then? Uh, well, we, uh, I have a great interest in Love Island, uh, Mala, uh, the, the politi- political ramblings of, of Noel Chomsky, um, Instant Whip. Mrs. <laughs> uh, Laney, I mean, why can't you just be truthful for once? Like, you've been under intense spotlight for the last few months and you've arrived here today looking rather weary. You're, you're a bit dishevelled, if you don't mind me were you, saying. Were you on the sesh last night? I mean, it seems... You see, I, 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 just, 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 just to... Uh, Nobody's seen you for months. <laughs> just to, uh, just, just, seen you for months. Where have you been the last few months? You see, this is the problem, especially with the media. Uh, people, people like yourself, they, they vilify... The, 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 but there's a person behind those stories. There's a person that, that, that has feelings, and, and th- those feelings get hurt. I, I've personally I've been in a, a very dark place, um, al- almost a, a vacuum, a black hole, that the, where, where the colour has been drained out, 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 out of the, my life completely. And, and, and that has an awful lot of psychological torture on, on, on a person. A very, very dark place indeed. Jeez, that sounds awful. Where were you? Uh, in an apartment in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like everybody Which I for myself by the way <laughs> it sounds like everybody has abandoned you even Healy Ray well um, there he is outside there <laughs> he, Helium Ray as I like to call him because he, he, he's full of hot air okay, that, that, uh, he, a tip, typical carry man no backbone no hair curly teeth uh, no time for him but but uh, I, I I would like to say that I, that I, I've got many many irons uh, uh, fire irons in the fire, that's the word, um, especially out in the Middle East, uh, a great footballing uh, market emerging there. Um, they're 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 not so caught up in the red tape or human rights and stuff. But so pretty much like the FAI. Um, I went out to uh, Kabul, and talked to the Afghanistanis uh, about setting up a, a that fell through. But um, believe it or not, I'm, I'm presently uh, in talks, well I, well, I was until the media stuck their, their oar in, with, uh, with ISIS. They, uh, they'd seen, they'd seen how, how, how popular the uh, Poland-Ukraine joint bid, uh, Japan, Korea. They had the same idea. There was three lovely fellas, three, three brothers. Uh, um, what was their names? Their names was uh, Hubin Fartin. You been farting, and then the other one was a sheep with drawers. Unfortunately, Abu Baghdadi, uh, the supreme leader of, of ISIS, he uh, he got wind of, of how things were running, uh, how 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 we did things in the FAI, and apparently, as bad as they are, they're not as bad as as, as the FAI. So, 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 so that fell through. But 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 I, if I may, I, I want to go on the record and say there's one person that stood stood by me. Uh, through all of the of the, uh, the golden handcuffs, uh, uh, handshakes, uh, in innuendo, in your endo, all that, <laughs> kind of stuff. and that's uh, uh, my partner Emma. So I just want to say th- thank thank you for that. Uh, no, John, that's 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 not Emma English. That's Emma Wheatley. That's not your girlfriend. 
we, I, I, I've, I've alluded to that, and as I said, off the record, on the record, if I may, I had a word with the, uh, with the lounge girl. She sent over a JD and Coke from <laughs> this JD and his you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, another story that came out in the media was the cyber attack on the FBI. So were you affected by this at all? Well, I, I, I think once anybody hears about uh, uh, compromising information being leaked, there, there's only uh, one thing on your mind, and that's the nudes. Uh, <laughs> so that's what I'm worried about at, at, at the moment. So I'm tell us like who's, who's nudes who, 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 had you got on your phone? Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll jump to Lenny. <laughs> <laughs> and a couple of Liam Brady, but that's... <laughs> he's bigger than you think. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Mr. Laney, uh, you once famously called the League of Ireland a problem child. So, why did you say it? And do you see now why it pissed off so many people? Well, again, I, I, I've pre 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 prepared a statement in regards to this because, I, uh, again, it's something that's taken out of context com com completely. I never saw myself as a, a father figure of the FAI or the League of Ireland. I was always more of a, of a fun uncle. Uh, fun uncle? Uh, uh, a funcle, if you will. Uh, I always viewed the, the, the League of Ireland uh, like an annoying niece or nephew. You know, the, the type of people that take off their shoes and slide around at a wedding. They're not yours. You can't slap them, but you'd like to. That's, that's, that's kind of how it is. But, but, but I, w I would like to say, before I became Supreme Leader, VIP, VP, CEO of the FAI, the association and the league w wasn't in great shape. I made some subtle changes in the background that, that, that even though they were in the background, had a massive impact from the house. Okay? At the time, Crazy Prices supplied the toilet paper, which is one ply. <laughs> I successfully negotiated a deal with Andrex for three sheets. Now, you can see that made a notable difference in the gate of the players entering the training pitch and, 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 and onto the field. You'll testify to that. <laughs> uh, before I took over, there was a real danger, a serious danger, that most of the games would be played in the car park of an Atlantic home care. <laughs> but many people don't know is it was myself that took out the Lego bricks and uh, I made up a rough draft of the redevelopment at Lansdowne Road. I took that to the FAI and the IRA, uh, the I, IFU, the, the egg ballers, and that started the ball rolling. And finally, it was that fateful night in Poland when I, head out, I went out to join the fans. I had six cans of Carlsberg with me. I gave away four. That's the type of person that I am. I wore my tie, round my head Rambo style, and unbuttoned the two top uh, buttons of my shirt. And it should be noted that when I went out there, the song that they, they were singing was John, John Delaney, I used to be a wanker but I'm all right now. <laughs> and it's things like that. As I lay down on me, beside Emma, on the cotton sheets, <laughs> with, with a belly full of caviar, it's those things that make me realise that my time at the association was a, was a great success. So I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to say my side of the story. And I appreciate that very much. So round of applause for John yeah. the, the saviour of Irish football. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> nice, John. Very, Thank you very much. Very kind of you to come in. So, um, so that was JD. And funnily enough, um, Pat's fan in work was only listening to our 100 episode and 
he said to me, Gar, I turned it off when I found out you had a finger fan on it. <laughs> and I said, that's a bit harsh. I said, this club died. He says, no, it doesn't matter. But he listened to the whole thing anyway. And uh, he loved it. And he thought the, the JD impression was absolutely fantastic. He said, you could get something out of that every month. He said, you could have a monthly show with that. Um, it should be pretty good if we could take the piss, couldn't it? We could just uh, we could have little JD back on talking about his expenditures, how it's yeah. died down, how it's died down in the last last few minutes or last last while. I think it was Cam Murphy who messaged me and was like, "This this guy could make a career of this impression." Yeah, good. Yeah, have a little segment on him, but uh, yeah, so that was that was, was JD, JD yeah. here uh, interview, more of a hearing, I would say. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant from. A resident, uh, he's not a resident poet, we won't even put him down that one. Balls were beaten 2-0 at home to Waterford on Friday and I tuned into this one and it was pleasant surprise. We had the first goal, which was excellent. I think it was Ali Coot, the guy we've been talking about. I was telling you, I, I, I thought he was a decent player. I think he's a young Scottish guy in the middle of the park. He had a great game. Tyreek Wilson with the second goal, left-footed free kick, absolutely buried. McGuinness and the ball's goal. So, really good performance from them, and they were toothless. And I think the, the, the beating that we gave them has kind of resonated with them now, and they're, they're, they're starting to feel it. So, it was fantastic. This was a fantastic thing to see. Two and a half time, and they were never coming back from that, bro. This was uh, Sheridan's last game in charge before he went to Wigan. So, I mean, how many people saw this coming? I don't think anybody did. No, I didn't at all. I really put all my eggs in the balls basket here I thought they were going to beat them easily but uh, they have a decent little team there some good players like a Wilson like a uh, Sabawali guy who got the goal Ali Coote in the middle um, who else was on the left, left side of the players they really good team and uh, yeah they did, they did us a favour I think we have them away soon don't we Monday after AC Milan we have the Monday in, in Tata oh Monday in Tata ok so that's a little bit handier now I thought it was away but uh, yeah, you wouldn't be you wouldn't fancy going into that now. You'd be too confident because they're a decent team looking for a couple of scalps. Yeah, we we figured that uh, Sheridan would be moving on a bit like Brian Laws. He would just be here for the the couple of months. But I mean, he he left very quick to a Wigan team who are in administration and under like a cloud of uncertainty. So he also denied calling the league bar in the pub league. He explained the context behind that, and uh, yeah. I thought it made sense his explanation. Yeah, I totally, totally back him on that. Uh, top guy, great guy, did the hoops a favour, and I think he might be taking Mikey O'Connor with him over to Wigan. But isn't he? Is he this guy that you ring when your club is absolutely in bits? Sheridan. Is he? Is he? Is, yeah, is he this manager you ring? You're like, okay, we're in administration. Who do we call? Yeah, John Sheridan. And who? Like, is, oh, is he, he's bounced around to serve the league one for for a few years now, isn't he? Yeah, he's that guy. I think he's that guy. Like Waterford were absolutely in bits. Like, okay, get John Sheridan in there. He'll steady the ship. Yeah. yeah so for that, for was the that record, we uh, we never believed Vinnie Perth. Not one bit. Once again, the, lying. That's oh yeah, you better believe it. The king of distraction, uh, deflection tactics at their best. But once again, though, uh, the way the games are staggered, it keeps presenting these opportunities to go further points clear. Um, we've just Normally all these games would be on the Friday night but now it's like Bowles or Dundalk are beaten and it's like oh now we've a chance to go even further clear didn't Michael O'Neill always want his games on a Saturday for this very reason that's the first I've ever heard of that's interesting 
I'm nearly sure that was the case. I think Michael O'Neill's games were on a Saturday because he wanted to have that little uh, little step ahead of the game, ahead of the teams around them. I could be wrong, but I, I remember hearing that somewhere. But we'll talk about other results. Dundalk fluked their way to a three-two win over Shelbourne, and they were um, they were brought to the very brim or to the very brink here. So they had a cracker from Duffy and some good goals with Shelbourne, but they just couldn't hold on in the end. That was 3-2, and there was six shots on target in the game. So, hold on. That doesn't make any sense. There was five goals in the game, <laughs> and there was six shots on target. Oh, right, right, right. I thought, I thought it was the other way around. There was less. Yeah, um, so nearly every shot went in. Yeah. So, great win for Dundalk to get them back on track, but um, I, I, doubt, I doubt they'll be able to come back and have any sort of say in the title race. I hope not. A big, big, big game up in Oriel Park with us there. Uh, that's the one I, I, I picked out at the start of the season for possibly game of the season. A season-defining game is the way I spoke about it. So, uh, yeah, so that's it. St. Pat's nil, Sligo nil. And I think, was it you telling me about Bucco not being able to beat his former team? I did fancy Pats to avoid defeat there because that's kind of the pattern. But all those teams in mid table, they just win one week and they don't win the next. Yeah. But uh, yeah, five hard. games without without a goal now for Pats. He's there, they're really struggling. And we thought they'd be would they be belting them in with Georgie Kelly. I know. Yeah, how did that go? So we Finn Harps and Dirty Nil all as well. And um yeah, this is the, the Northern Derby. I, I, that's, that's a good point for Harps, Harps at home and they need to keep the trekking on and getting these types of points at home because uh, they're really struggling in the relegation zone at the minute and Cork it's great to see Cork and languishing in the relegation zone and tell me this again who were we getting our O'Sullivan's mix up this James G O'Sullivan guy he's the one on the Collies podcast isn't he yeah no I wasn't mixing him up that's, that is that is John O'Sullivan yeah he used to be on the board at both Cork and Limerick and where what was he a fan who's he a fan of He's a fan of Cork, but he's from Kerry. So he's a fan of Cork and you're on the board at Limerick. Can you can you register that? Can you get that through your brain? Well, he was briefly on the board at Limerick, just because I think he left Cork, but he was always a Cork supporter. I oh, still don't get it though. That's like me going onto the Pats board. It's not the same. <laughs> I suppose, yeah. It makes no it makes no difference. That's a basket case there. And he he once again thrown his little barbs at Rovers, so he's officially on the list of hatred. Oh, we'll bring it back. Oh, there we go. He's on the list of hatred now. But yeah, three 0 Cork, biggest win ever in Tornish Cross Props. That's our stat of the week. Yep, and uh, fantastic stuff down there. Three 0 win, unchanged team. Pico Lopez made his hundred appearance for the club, so big congrats. And he got a brand new, fresh fade on his afro as well. He's holding on to the afro, but he's just keeping it nice and trim now. Gary, you so, did it. You committed the mortal sin. You, oh, you said 100 appearance and you forgot the word league. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, this is your mortal sin. I'm not using this to hate you for that. Not even messing. We, we know how pedantic you are when it comes to this. <laughs> how is so that pedantic? Like? League appearance. Oh, it's a league appearance. Um, so 100 league appearance for, for Pico. And uh, yeah, really, really uh, nice milestone from the hit. And it took, uh, the, took only 90 seconds for the commentator to call him Ricardo Lopez. Ricardo Lopez. Once again, the Latin singer was out with his microphone. 
If you were, and, uh, if, you, if you were sitting at home on that, watching that game on the Saturday, doing shots every time he said Ricardo, you would be elven. <laughs> I don't like. He, he, you know, surely he got feedback, and he was told, "Listen, you're getting that wrong. You're, you're getting it wrong." Like that's the frustrating part about it, though. He, it's not like he thinks it's Ricardo because he says um, Roberto loads of other times, and he comes back to Ricardo. Yeah, it's just a slip of the tongue, but it's, uh, it is quite unprofessional. Affair. Who's it? Adrian Eames, isn't it? No, it's Jerry Canning, the the guy commentator. The guy commentator. There you go. Enough said. We'll talk about our game. Yeah. By the way, so, Gareth, three uh, nil. Who said three nil last week? Oh, it was you, wasn't it? Yeah, that was my prediction. Actually, <laughs> my exact quote it. was a surprisingly comfortable three nil win. Don't think the I could have called it any better. No, no, I think so. And it was um, it, from the get go. I just thought to myself, these aren't in the game at all. And uh, Aaron Green header on forty three minutes. It was one of those headers that was oh, the coming. first from seventeen minutes. Sorry, yeah, 17 minutes, and it was coming behind him. But he he adjusted himself so that he had to move his neck back, crank his neck back, and then keeper had no chance because he wasn't expecting it at all. But it was really, really refreshing to see a score a header from that type of uh, range. But the next goal, well, I, I just want to talk about the next one straight away. It was absolutely amazing, 43 minutes. I don't even want to talk about anything else during the game because this was so refreshing to see. And if you've noticed... If you've noticed, our our press begins from the defenders, and they call it. So you can hear our defenders telling the offensive players to press, and it started, and they're they're toured, and they went for it, and they just dispossessed Cork within two passes. The ball was out to Lafferty, so Jack puts it out to Laff, Laff forced time, left footed ball swinging in, absolutely indefendable. And Greener buries it, and just such a refreshing way to score a goal because we haven't scored like that. No, we don't score that type of goal, and we were able to mix it up and go and break like that. That was a devastating counter attack, and it just killed the game off just before half time. So, really, really happy with that. And once again, Greener proving his doubters wrong. Well, that was Greener's goal. first goals since the, the break. And it seemed like just when the doubters were starting to get loud again, he produces the goods. Yeah, that's it. But we know we we love Aaron Green and we appreciate him every way and every sense. And there's always a debate over your striker if he's not scoring regularly. But what he brings to the game, I can't see anybody else bringing what he does. All the hard work, bringing other players involved. It's just such a such a good asset to have. And I wouldn't mind anybody talking shit about him. It's really, really good to see. And once again, going down to going down to Turner's Cross is a tough day to do, no matter what. So Trina the window there, really happy with that. Greener got the the Maloney Facebook treatment. His whole oh. post was dedicated to Greener. Once I get that, I'm gone. I'm done. I'm out again. But, uh, not much more to add to what you said. You described it perfectly. But I love that turn in the ball by Berkey. The way he just spun oh. around it. And then the combo between Jack and Lafferty. And how fast was this ball in the back of the net from the moment we won it? We'll have to time it. I'd say three or four seconds. It was a thing of beauty. It really, really was. Absolutely gorgeous goal. And how how good is Lafferty at the minute? He is in the form of his life. We're talking goals, assists, defensive displays. This guy is in form. Interestingly, uh, Sean Cavan is back in training, but... 
you might not get back into this team because Lafferty has been so impressive. I'm not dropping him. I'm not bringing Kavanaugh into this team. Unfortunately, you can't drop a foreign player like Lafferty at the minute. He's abs- he's the foreign player of the team, Bar Pico, maybe. So you're not dropping mm-hmm. him. It's impossible. It'd be very, very harsh to drop him, considering the form he's in. And that's nothing against a, fi- a fit Cavo. But we look forward to him getting back in a few minutes. But we'll move on to Borky. This, this goal, Garrett, I mean, it, it wasn't a one-off instance. I mean, the whole game, there must have been eight or nine excellent balls whipped into the box that we nearly scored from. And there was loads of other examples of us hassling them, our strikers hassling them and winning the ball back. There was, there was a moment in the second half where they were just trying to play out from the back and Jack Byrne just won it off them. And within seconds, we made another chance. So this was going on for the 90 minutes. This, yeah. was, this was an excellent performance. We were picking pockets, uh, playing balls around corners, just really harassing them. And it was a really, really bad Cork side. I'll say the worst Cork side I've ever seen. Uh, they were and the worst far, Cork yeah. performance. Yeah, yeah, really bad. Worst Cork performance. I've ever seen from them at home because you know pretty well that we never expected to win going up there in general when we go up on the buses and stuff like that and we just think right we'll go up here we'll see what we can do because it's always tough it's, it's a they're a shadow of them for ourselves did you see that possession stat no I saw one I saw a very interesting one for Rovers B I saw that Rovers B had 62% against Galway and they still lost but we move on to that in a while. But you give well, me Ireland, one, in the first half of Turner's Cross, we had 84% apparently. 84. Talk about chasing shadows. Jesus, that would be really disheartening to play against that type of team, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, really, really happy with that. And the Borky one that hit the post, it's had me screaming because it was typical Borky and he has this in the arsenal. We know he has. He's well capable of doing it. These either go into Turner's Cross pub or they hit the back of the net or hit the post. So yeah. really great technique. It was, keep was buried, dead and buried and they hit the post and it was very, very unfortunate not to go in. Yeah, very powerful shot. Ricocheted back out of the post. As, as Jared Canning described it, a real humdinger. A, a humdinger. A humdinger man, in the Artricity League. Oh, he's Fuck so me. GAA. Like, it's cringy. <laughs> and Cork the player... Like, Cork player called Hurley, and he actually—I feel like he liked every time he got the ball. Just like saying the oh, word just Hurley. Say that. Massive horn every time he gets the ball. Oh, here's Hurley, <laughs> dying, dying to talk about it. Yeah. It's a real spot. And quirky, quirky uh, said about about Burke. He he's still the league's second top goal scorer with five goals, but they were all scored <laughs> against Cork in that one game in February. He hasn't scored a league goal since. I fancy him. I fancy him soon. I think once he scores, I think he's going to have a little purple patch towards the end of the season. Uh, we have a run there. I think Waterford's going to be his, his starting point. I think we're going to start uh, starting to go de- go up, not downhill, but I think that's the when the we're going to f- start flying goals out of Borky. So hopefully it's it's going to look good. But we will uh, move on to the Ferrugia goal, 88 minutes, fourth goal for the club. And he had this poor wing this poor fullback turned inside out and uh, great to see him on his right foot burying it I love when they cut in and, and bury it so very very nice goal and good to see him score his fourth goal for the club yeah Brazzer says he's been working on it in uh, training the way he cuts in on his right so uh, it paid off from there 
But that's what we were talking about. Remember, we were saying that if he's going to be dangerous, he needs to receive the ball where he got that in their toward and attack, cut in and do what he does best. And there we go. Starting to see a bit of fruit now. Also, I loved how Jack ran straight over to him to congratulate him. Because there was a couple of games there where the players were kind of uh, moaning at each other when, you know, things might, weren't coming off for Friuji, but who was straight over to him there? Jack. Jack, yeah. for him, so <laughs> nice bit of team spirit there. He did seem like his harshest harsh critic at times, didn't he? Yeah. But overall, the performance is perhaps no, uh, no, no downfalls. Everything really good. Happy to see us play well. Pico, Grace, everything. Wasn't much for them to do at Big Al. The slippers on, but... Um, really, really happy with with that performance. You can't, you can't not going into Milan. Perfect going into Milan. Yeah, the two stand there performances. I think most people would agree would be Jack and Greener, because Jack got two assists and he had the the pass before the assists. You you always like that. So yeah, Jack would be my man to match now. I think that easily his best performance since the the pandemic. It's been coming because he's been a little bit. Um, it's been a bit of lackluster, you could say. He's been dipping in and out of form, and finally. He's uh, he's back to himself, and what like we said, perfect time for him to slay AC now and and turn it on, get himself into that Ireland squad as well. His hair was a bit shorter. Maybe he was listening to you last week. I think so. He got a trim, got a little trim, and it's working wonders from now. So you got to be happy with that. Yeah. So that is it. We um, what a time to be a hoop prof. We're, it's it's still hard to believe we're actually playing AC Milan competitively. Eight points clear with seven games to go. And anyone else who was talking about the league being done and dusted, you can get out of the club fast. There's 21 <laughs> points to play for, you fucking lunatics. So we are yeah. not home and hosed, nowhere near it. So we have a lot of football to play. So anytime we hear people talking about that, we shall ban them. So AC Milan, we've, we're playing AC Milan. Fucking hell. I was looking at their squad again, and like we said, they're shadow of them former selves, but they're still obviously a massive outfit. But like, I'm, you you were saying that you wouldn't be too familiar with many of their players, bars bars Latan, like. Uh, well, I'm very familiar with Donna Roma and maybe yeah, yeah. one or two others, yeah. But especially some of their new signings, like I wasn't that familiar with them. It's crazy, isn't it? But uh, I love. I love when people put up screenshots of other fans talking about us, you know, looking likely to win the league, and they're just clutching at straws at this stage. You know, the usual stuff. It's only an 18-game league, and we're only up there because the dock have collapsed, which isn't even true. Like we've won nine and drawn two, and beaten balls, <laughs> beaten balls twice, and the dock. I mean, like, it's not even because other teams have failed. We've just won everything in front of us. That's it. That's all you can do. And I think it'd be even, even sweeter if we do end up bringing home the silverware and uh, everyone's talking about tainted titles and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, just bring it on. Even better. That's what I say. It would have been a great trip down to Cork, though, wouldn't it? Ah, oh, stop. That's the worst thing when you're in the WhatsApp group and you're all talking about it and you're like, well, this yeah. would be happening and that'd be happening, like the early goal and the two goals in the first half. And then one in the second half, just towards the end, to top it off, and you'd be all falling down the stairs and on the bus. It's just I think unfortunately, it was, it's not going to. I think it was Tammy Kelly. He was just like, "Imagine we were there. The absolute state of us." <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's yeah. so true. 
Two o'clock mm. kickoff, like you'd be drinking in the abo since nine in the morning. <sighs> what a what a schedule. Nine in the morning, out yeah. off the bus, drinking on the bus, into the pub in Cork, into the match, banjoed. Banjo before Middleton. <laughs> You know what's weird as well? A few people I know have listened, have only started to listen to this podcast since lockdown. So they're really missing out on all our epic away day stories because we're just we're know, talking about yeah. watching games on TV. Maybe they're better off. Maybe, maybe that stuff isn't for public consumption. But uh, like you said earlier, uh, it's our biggest ever win over Cork City at Turner's Cross. And only the second time we've ever scored three there. We scored three last year. That was the first time we did it. Yeah. And uh, we did we did beat Cork City 3-0 away at Flower Lodge twice in the mid-80s. And we did have big scores over Cork Celtic at Turners Cross in the 60s and 70s. So it's not a record win at Turners Cross in general. It's just a record win over City in their current form. At in their current form. <laughs> yes. See how long it took me to explain Cork City there? I think uh, <laughs> there was a there was a massive massive canvas and work there. Someone needed it delivered, and it was um, geez, it was really really it was taller than me. It was wider than like a like a bus, huge thing. One of the one of the resident Pats fans, he's like, "Gar, look, Cork City's history." So I was just laughing. At it. <laughs> he's like, "Here's the here's their names." Yeah, I, I so, put the I put the stat in the group, and uh, Maloney was at the game. And he, he gave Brad's the start afterwards when uh, when he, him and McPhail came out of the ground. And then he was saying, and then who pulled up in the car outside Turner's Cross shouting at Brad's and McPhail, shouting positivity at him, saying like, oh, come on, the Rovers, don't mind them buggers. Absolute head case, this fella. If anyone's ever had the pleasure of dealing with a Cork-based Rovers fan. It's this madman. We've met him in the Terran Inn. We met him in Boleslav. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever met anyone as eccentric or as nuts as this fella. <laughs> sure, we were, we were, I don't know how he comes, how does he, how he manages to locate us every time. We were in some pub off the beaten track in Cork that time and he drove by in a, a Dublin bus Yeah, and he was shouting out the window at Maloney. Like, I don't know where, how he comes Joy, across. He drives by in the bus there. We met him in Czech Republic. He was the last person we ended up talking to in the Terran you're in after we won the cup. And like, what must Brazzer and McPhail be thinking when like some <laughs> lad in a Cork accent drives up and says, come on, the Rovers. Ah, uh, you get them all. That's it. It's just Rovers. Yeah. It sums us up, doesn't it? But then we had a great call from Gar Brennan then, Gar. Yeah, isn't it fucking quality that we are sitting here after extending our lead at the top of the table and discussing how he gives ourselves a chance against AC Milan in a European game during the week won Stephen Bradley and uh, the ever-quotable Gar Brennan who knows absolutely fucking everyone and um, it was Gar who put us in touch with our next guest it's Mauro, AC Milan, based in Ireland for the last 20 years so here we are Okay, we're joined now by Mauro Moroni who was born and bred in Milan but moved to Ireland many years ago. Uh, you grew up in Corsico which is only about five miles from the San Siro so talk about what that was like and how your love of football started. I, I don't know exactly when my love of football started because as far as I can remember I, I love football So and I love the Milan, my dad uh, uh, has been a supporter, has been always a supporter. So uh, 
I think just naturally I, I, I fell for AC Milan. And the, also the fact that they, they had the name of the city, etc., etc. For me, I don't know, it, it made me feel like it belonged more to, to the city. And, uh, yeah, and, uh, being close to San Siro, it was, was another thing. Like it was like, uh, a beautiful stadium, uh, to look at. It was so big, so, so beautiful and uh, made me want so much to go there and, and watch a game. Milan obviously have such a, an illustrious history. Seven-time European champions. They've won more European trophies than any other Italian club. So they obviously have a huge fanatical support in that part of the country, don't they? Yeah, they have a, they have a support from uh, all over Italy, to be honest. Because uh, back in the 60s, uh, there was a football player that played for Milan uh, called Gianni Rivera. And... Uh, he was a, an, an immense talent, perhaps the greatest talent uh, Italy has ever had, with, uh, along with uh, Roberto Baggio, maybe. And uh, he practically brought to a, a lot of people from all around Italy uh, to support Milan. Uh, that, was, uh, that was what happened back in those days. So uh, a, a lot of Italians uh, from all regions have a big passion for, uh, for, for the team. And I, one thing I noticed is that uh, I can feel the rivalry in the city uh, with, uh, with the Inter supporters. But many people I know now, thanks to the internet and to Milan groups, etc., might be more against Juventus, for instance, because they don't feel the same uh, the same thing about the city, about this city city rivalry, which is a which is a strange thing. But that tells you how 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 vast, how big uh, the the supporter uh, range is in in Italy. And do you have any standout memories from a game, a Milan game, maybe one of the derbies with Inter? Well, from the derbies, yeah, there is one that uh, practically every Milanista of my generation remembers fondly is uh, one played in 1984. And uh, we had had a very bad stint of derbies that were uh, uh, lost badly against Inter. And for six years, we really were in a, in a, in a bad uh, situation, in a bad uh, stint with them. Uh, we also were relegated to two times back then, uh, one for uh, match fixing and the second on on uh, on the pitch. And uh, it, they were very tough years for for us supporters. And that particular derby, we we had this new player, this new striker called Mark Hatley, and uh, he made history basically because the first goal was by Altobelli, Inter striker, and then we. Uh, equalized with our midfielder Di Bartolomei, and in the second half, uh, Mark Hatley did uh, what he did best uh, was his uh, uh, header, and uh, he headed a beautiful goal and beating Colovati, that was our symbol, like our symbolic player, and he had moved to Inter Milan when we were relegated the second time, so he was considered the biggest traitor, and uh, actually he was marking Hatley. And Hartley scored. That was a derby that really gave uh, to uh, 
to all Milan supporters their their dignity back in a, in a way. So it's a, it's a particular derby, and everybody from my generation remembers it more than any other, maybe any other game. In fairness, and the San Siro is of course one of the most iconic stadiums in the world. It's such a shame that Rovers fans won't get a chance to go, especially as it's set to be demolished in, in the near future and. There's plans to build a new modernised 60,000 seater stadium to, to replace the San Siro that will be constructed right next to it sometime in the next few years and shared by both Inter and AC Milan. So, would you be sad to see it go? I'm actually strongly against this decision, in fairness, because I think uh, I think uh, San Siro is such an iconic stadium, not just uh, in Italian football, but I think uh, all around the world. And only by moving away from Italy, I realized uh, how iconic it is. And I think uh, just demolishing that stadium and building another stadium, it, it will be just another stadium in the same area. People will still say probably San Siro because it's the quarter where the stadium is, but it won't be the same thing. It won't be, that stadium is is there since 1926. Of course, it's been uh, renovated and and everything, but it. It is such a such an important uh, part of Milan's history that I think it's criminal, in fairness, to to demolish it. So yeah, I'd be I'd be more than sad, in fairness. And you're even a big <clears throat> you're even a big fan of the Milan basketball team as well. Is that right? Tell us a bit about them. I am. Yes, I, I again I had uh, football and um, and basketball as a big passion because back then in the eighties Milan. Uh, Basketball is called uh, Olympia Milan. It's it's a different, totally different club, and, uh, and they were extremely strong back in the eighties in Europe. So they won the European Cup uh, three times, and uh, they had this massive passion. They had this player from the NBA called Bob McAdoo, and he was a, a massive star. And uh, so now the uh, the club is owned by Giorgio Armani, and when I when I'm back in Milan, uh, I I normally I normally go to to watch the basketball games rather than the football games. But also because when I get there, normally the basketball is still on and football is in a break normally. So that's that's all I can do. But yeah, it's uh, it's another big thing that I have, another big uh, fondness I have uh, in Milan. When exactly did you move to Ireland? And you're obviously happy here. You're still here now. I moved in '99, and I just wanted to try something new. I was 26 years old, 27 years old, and uh, I just wanted to move out. I still lived with my parents back then, and uh, I just wanted to to move out. And uh, I decided to do something completely different. I wanted to learn English. I wanted to to do something completely different and uh, my aim was to to stay here for a couple of years but then i i met my well my ex-wife now but uh, back then I, I met my wife i i got married and everything so my life continued here and uh, i'm i'm used to this culture and, and everything is, is from 1999 uh, it's more than 20 years now so i i feel like a home in many ways are you aware that there's a Milan supporters group in Dublin? They were featured on RT News recently. Have you ever considered joining them? I haven't joined them yet this year, but uh, I, I've been watching games uh, there with them 
and I know a few of uh, the supporters, which like many of them are, are Irish, Irish uh, from Dublin, actually. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit strange to see those supporters, but uh, back then Milan were a massive, uh, a massive uh, team, so they dragged some Irish into supporting. And uh, yeah, I, I went there, I, I watched some games, and I, I'm actually looking forward for for the day when uh, we can come back and, and, and watch another game uh, all together. So who will be your favourite Milan player of all time? Of all time? It's a bit hard because I normally don't, don't make this kind of uh, uh, preferences. But I like... I have three players that I'm particularly fond of. Like I've, I've actually been in love with them, uh, to be to use the exact words. And they were uh, Franco Baresi, who's still now the, the greatest defender I've ever seen, along with Paolo Maldini, of course, and uh, and Marco Van Basten. That will be always uh, will always have a special uh, place in my heart because he was pure poetry, pure joy to watch him play and of course Milan retired uh, Maldini and Baresi's jerseys so that says it all the impact they had at that club I think yeah Baresi grew up uh, nearby Milan it's another city called Brescia and uh, when he was still very young uh, he, he moved to Milan and went to the youth team and he played ever since for Milan Paolo Maldini is even more uh of a legend because he's the son of a captain, a former captain of AC Milan. That that was the first that ever won the European Cup with the with the club, and he was the captain. And then his son was born in Milan, grew up in in the club, and became and became Paolo Maldini. Like his name speaks uh, volumes. And now his son is. Another another AC Milan player, and uh, this is quite a unique uh, story, and I don't think it, it will ever be uh, replied by anybody else. I think. Yeah, three generations—that does something. But uh, describe your experience of the the famous 2005 Champions League final against Liverpool, where Milan squandered that three 0 halftime lead. Sorry to bring this up, but how did you feel? <sighs> how did you feel as a fan that day? It's- it's still extremely painful to think uh, to think about that. Uh, not long ago, I went back on YouTube for the first time after probably more than ten years, and I watched the goals. I watched the highlights of uh, of that game, and it was incredibly shocking. In fairness, because like the first half, especially, was men against boys, and I don't say that like it, it, it was what it was, and. Uh, and also, like uh, the second half had started very well, and then those six minutes where uh, Liverpool just scored three goals, and we were completely lost on the pitch. And it went on for another ten minutes, but then we we went back and started to again uh, gain initiative and attack, and it just it just was a very strange, weak game. And and we didn't manage to 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 adjust it. And when by the time Shevchenko uh, 
went so close to score at the last minute uh, in the in the extra time, and we we didn't manage. And then I, I realized there was nothing to do. Like the penalties were already decided. There was like psychologically, it was it was all lost. And for many years, I I went a bit cold feet with with football. Like I kept following it, but uh, I didn't have the same enthusiasm uh, anymore. And it took me a while to to really enjoy football again. It's a big shock. I know it sounds a bit crazy, but it was something you you can't really describe. It was something very strange, very, very weird. You obviously enjoyed your revenge two years later, but uh, I know you've been to a couple of Shamrock Rovers games live yourself. Uh, when was that and how did you find the overall experience at Tata Stadium? I'd say it was about 10 years ago and... Uh, it was uh, a few games at Tala Stadium and uh, one at the Aviva, the domestic cup, the Irish uh, National Cup. And unfortunately, the Rovers lost it uh, on the penalties. And uh, I watched, I believe maybe the last one I watched was the UEFA Cup against Juventus in Tala Stadium. And uh, I haven't been to Tala um I used to live just beside the stadium, but I haven't been to to the games. Uh, I think ever since, uh, but it was a nice experience, and it was nice to to leave the Irish uh, the Irish league, the Irish football, because um, it is something that should be improved. It should be followed more by by the Irish supporters more than the the, the Premier the Premier League as they as they normally do, because I think. Uh, it needs it needs the Irish support in order to grow up and to really uh, become uh, become a, a, a national sport. I, I'm not saying like the the GAA, but like an important sport as well. Yeah, there's a few similarities with the clubs. Both founded in 1899. Robbers look likely to match Milan's tally of 18 league titles, and funny enough, neither team has won their league championship since 2011. But that's probably where the similarities end because Milan have ambitions to actually win the Europa League and end the nine-year trophy drought, don't they? Well, that depends on how uh, how they will uh, gel this year from the beginning because for so many years they started just poorly and there were loads of uh, there was a lot of hype every every season and it always started uh, dreadfully. And uh, maybe by half season or towards the end, it was like improving, but then uh, it wasn't enough to, to achieve anything. And uh, I hope this year they, they'll have the right start and uh, somebody like uh, Ibrahimovic uh, could give uh, that kind of leverage to, to, to try and compete more, uh, to try and be more concentrated. Let's say I, I I wouldn't know how to use uh, how to use another another term at this point because uh, every year they start like uh, badly, really badly, and they have to recover a lot. There's actually an interview in the the Robbers Match Day program for this game with uh, Filippo Galli. He's a Rossoneri legend who says that Milan will be looking to get back into the Champions League, where they haven't been since 2014. Therefore. A defeat on Thursday against Rovers would be unthinkable. So, would you agree with that? 
completely different uh, level of uh, of clubs like uh, Milan are a giant still, even though they don't have the, the economic power they used to have, but they are still one of the most uh, important teams in the world in many ways. So, yeah, it would be unthinkable uh, because they they can't afford to lose uh, uh, to a team that uh, that has not the same glory and not the same uh, history behind. Uh, that, that said, it's football. So if Rovers win, it's because they deserve to win because uh, that's that's how football goes. Obviously, Milan have other other targets and Rovers want to to make an impression. Want obviously to to do a great uh, a great Europa League. Uh, uh, for as far as it lasts, but uh, Milan must have uh, bigger ambitions. Obviously, they have a bigger budget and, and everything else. Now, how would you compare the current Milan team to the successful side of the early two thousands, with the likes of Gattuso, Maldini, Perlo, Shevchenko? Do you think they're in a building process and aiming towards getting back to those glory days under Carlo Ancelotti? I honestly don't think. There will be the same uh, the same chances because the power that that AC Milan on the also on the transfer market and everything it was way too big. When a player played for Milan, they weren't uh, available for anybody to 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 buy them to to sign them. Like they were in Milan as, for as long as Milan wanted, and that was a very privileged uh, position. So. It, it was possible to choose players and to have them for as long as you wanted. Nowadays, it's much harder. Like Donnarumma, who's a great goalkeeper, uh, for instance, is one of, in my in my view, is one of the best in the world. Uh, now is already discussing a new contract, and Milan are, let's say, in a way, struggling because they are trying to find the right uh, the right way, uh, right compromise. Uh, they're afraid to lose him. And so not having that kind of power anymore makes you like uh, any other team, like any other high-level team, but it doesn't give you that privilege that you used to have. And obviously then to that privilege, you have to add a, a great manager like Ancelotti was and wonderful players that kind of uh, stay together in a, in, a, in a great way, like, and... Uh, they built uh, a philosophy. So nowadays, I think I think it's almost impossible to recreate that kind of atmosphere, that kind of uh, strength. Uh, it's just a different football, in my in my view. So your manager at the moment is uh, Stefano Pioli. He's been in charge since 2019. And since the arrival of Zlatan in January, he's sort of accommodated Zlatan. He switched to a 4-2-3-1 formation. So you have Zlatan in front, uh, Kalinoglu in the number 10 role, Rebic on the left wing. So do you like this manager's style so far from what you've seen? Yeah, because he's definitely uh, a manager that likes uh, to have a kind of a, a vibrant way to to approach the game. And also he knows the strength of his players, apparently. So it, it seems to understand how to use them in order to attack rather than defend. Uh, I'm a big fan of Gattuso. Uh, I love Gattuso 
the man. And, but his approach to games, for instance, was too defensive, too conservative. And what I like uh, from Milan, the, the best Milan I've ever seen was Milan, where Milan were attacking and wanted to gain the initiative all the time. That is my philosophy, and it seems to be uh, the philosophy of Pioli, even in the past with other with other clubs. He didn't achieve great results. Uh, it was a bit uh, mixed. Well, he started well. He seems to have a good personality, and I always think that many managers mature after a while. So this might be his, uh, I don't know, his definitely, definitive... Uh, Achievement. I don't know. It could be. It could be the beginning of a, of a good career from now on. I was reading that he's a big basketball fan, and he actually attempts to bring some elements of basketball into football management. So you might like him for those reasons. Uh, yeah. Although I, when they when they try to mix different sports uh, together, I, I always I always find it a bit funny because basketball is really very very different than football so the both are completely different and also the way to approach attacking and defending is totally different if if you don't well i'm not a manager so he probably sees much more than i do so maybe maybe he can't do that but i i really don't don't see these kind of similarities when they, when they when they talk about those they are they also are kind of a affiliated football with uh, sometimes with American football, or I don't, I don't really see those things. Uh, to be honest. Okay, so we're gonna go through their likely starting eleven in Dublin on Thursday. So they've submitted their twenty-two man squad list, and there's a few notable absentees. Donnarumma, who you mentioned earlier, fantastic goalkeeper. He's been left at home. Uh, the new signing Tonali, he didn't travel. Paolo Maldini's son Daniel uh, not in the squad either so just focusing on the goalkeeper position from now it'll probably be the new Romanian keeper uh, Tatar Sanu if I'm pronouncing that correctly he'll probably start yeah I, I actually don't know anything about this guy I first heard uh, of him uh, three days ago two days ago when they say they were going to sign him well I, I honestly don't know the guy and I, I hope I hope it, they they say they played in Italy before, but I I haven't seen her. I haven't seen it or her from. I think you've heard of him. Before. I think he was with Fiorentina, if I'm not mistaken. He's plenty of caps for Romania, yes, so yes. he does he does have that's experience. What I, yeah. That's what I read. That's what I read. But I, I'm for, I, I I have to be honest. I, I I know nothing about this guy. To be honest, I'm curious to see how he'll uh, how he could. Like perform, but I really don't know much. It's it's a pity because Donnarumma to me is, is really a great great keeper, and I hope we'll uh, we'll have him with us for many years to go. So on to the defense, and Milan have two centre backs missing, uh, Musaccio and Romagnoli, the captain. They won't be involved. So in come uh, Gabia and Kier. He might be a familiar face to. Irish football fans because he would have played for Denmark against us a few times in recent years. And then we have the fullbacks, uh, Calabria and Hernandez. So what do you make of those four? Uh, yeah, I have to say Calabria is uh, criticised a lot, but I, I find him a, 
uh, uh, more than a player, my view, is uh, plays, uh, plays uh, okay, sometimes it doesn't perform great, or I think uh, for what he is like, he's not a great champion or anything like that, he, he does his job anyway. And the other, the other on the other side, uh, Dio Hernandez is, is a very strong uh, uh, left back, and uh, it reminds me of a, of a left back of Milan in the back in the 80s, uh, early 80s, Valdera, uh, because he he can score with the same uh, with the same strength with the, with these very powerful shots from uh, from the distance, and uh, he's, he's a very good player, very fast, uh, very unpredictable. So I, I really like him. Uh, the central defenders. Kier is is a good player with personality, in my view, and uh, it it didn't start great, but uh, it, it just gained his pace, and uh, I think I think is a reliable player. And Gabia is very young, and he play, he didn't play much so far, but again is a player with uh, with some personality, so. It, he could do. He could do well in his career. I really hope so. Because. And then in midfield, we have two African players. We have Benasser and Kessie, and he he's a machine in the middle, isn't he? Yeah, he's. I find him now strong, but I was uh, I was to a point uh, like where I wouldn't have minded if if he had left. Uh, because he was really making a lot of mistakes, but he wasn't playing in a, in the right position. I think Pioli really uh, nailed uh, where um, Cassie should be because Cassie is really a player that has to to break uh, the the opponent's uh, maneuvers and and play. Uh, I think that's his best. Then from there, he kind of. Plays, he takes initiative sometimes, but uh, what is important is that uh, he, he intercepts the other the the opponent's play, and that's that's what uh, that's what it is uh, at his best, in my view. Benasser uh, is, is a very good midfielder. I think he has a good vision. Uh, is is pretty is pretty concrete as a player. So I I like him because he. He doesn't have. It's not frills or anything like that. It's, it's a very good player, and uh, I, uh, it's strong. It makes the midfield uh, strong enough. So Rebic won't actually be involved. He's still serving a suspension in Europe. So the three attacking players who featured in that recent friendly with Brescia were Castellejo, uh, Salamakers. He's another new signing, and Kalanoglu. He's the playmaker and set-piece specialist. So do you like this trio? I don't much. I don't like much. Chalnoglu is is not a kind of a player that I I like much. But he has improved with Pioli as well, and probably with Ibrahimovic because we all know Ibra makes his uh, his teammates play better. That's that's one of his main characteristics. And uh, yeah, I, I'm not crazy about about him. Uh, uh, Sam Marcus is. I, I think he's a very good player. I think he, he came from Belgium last year, and immediately he found his place. And uh, it's again, he's, he's a very concrete player. I don't think uh, he makes many mistakes in, during the games, and 
is is strong enough player, and he has a lot of uh, room for improvement in my view. And is is very good. And Castillejo again, in my in my view, is much stronger than he looks. And uh, it took a while to to see him finally getting getting into into the game and improving. But I think he has the, the he has some numbers and. Uh, He'll definitely show uh, his uh, his qualities in the future, and uh, he's already starting. And I think he's he's a very good player. I think he's being criticized too much because uh, many didn't take him seriously. He is very skinny in a way; he doesn't seem like a strong player. But I think he he, he has very very good uh, skills. It might actually be uh, Brahim Diaz on that left side. He's on loan from. Real Madrid and he was actually in the same Manchester City Academy as our own Jack Byrne but you're not too familiar with Diaz are you? I'm not too familiar I've been told that he, yeah, he, he was in Madrid and he, uh, and he played with City uh, he's very young and uh, my friends told me he played uh, well so far um, just the friendly games uh, that Milan played uh, maybe he's a bit too much in love with the ball and uh, he tends to dribble a bit too much but I, I haven't seen him so I'm looking forward to see what he could do if if he plays so we'll get to Zlatan in a moment he actually had a, a leg injury so he didn't feature in that friendly with uh, Brescia it was actually yeah. Lorenzo Colombo up front and there's another man with a famous father he is and uh, for what uh, for what I heard, because I haven't seen the friendly games, but uh, for what I heard is uh, is a very strong uh, physically and technically player, and Pioli seems to like him a lot, and is very young, and his dad was already very strong physically. He was a very strong midfielder. This guy is a striker, and uh, he seems to have a very good uh, sense of. Uh, uh, Finding finding the goal and moving well and also being very strong physically, which is obviously very important for for a pure striker. So yeah, I, 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 he is probably the one I'm looking forward the most uh, to to see play because uh, I'm very curious about it. So the one and only Zlatan Ibrahimovic, the Swedish superstar, still going strong at 38. He's uh, just after signing a new one-year contract extension as well so his return really heralded an upturn in Milan's fortunes they've got the best record since the coronavirus apparently along with Real Madrid winning nine and drawing three of their 12 games since the the pandemic to finish sixth in the table so talk about the impact uh, Salatan has had I was pleasantly surprised to see because I watched the games uh, after after they reopened the uh, Serie A, and I was actually very surprised by the way Milan had changed the way the approach to the game. They needed, ironically, they needed that break to really find their way. Um, and Ibrahimovic uh, is is always uh, when a player has such strong personality and. That goes like along with his class and his way to concentrate during the game. Being always there in the game is is a massive uh, is a massive thing. And uh, 
he already proved that when he came to Milan the first time uh, after a, a not so great year in Barcelona. He came back to Italy, he played for us, and we immediately felt the difference. Like having a player like that is like it just makes your your team, your club uh, go up. up a step further, like, uh, and it's really, really also a great joy to watch because he's not just strong, he has class, he has qualities, and he always scores these goals that I always find very original, if you if you will. I mean, it's, it, it never scores normal goals, normally. is is always uh, very, very uh, original, you know, in the way he does that. So the new Serie A season doesn't kick off until the weekend. Milan's game isn't until uh, Monday. So they've played four friendlies and won them all. So they'll be pretty happy with their preparation so far. So I guess Robert's best chance is to try and catch them cold over one leg and with home advantage. Well, that could be, yeah, that could be something that could happen. You, you never know in football. And, uh, well, obviously, as a Milan supporter, I, I hope not. But if there is a team uh, that I, I could, uh, I could be happy that would go further in the, in the, in the tournament is, is Shamrock Rovers, of course, because, uh, I'm fond of, of the team. It's from my adopting city. So it's, um, yeah, I hope. Uh, I obviously hope that Milan won't make any any wrong uh, step. But uh, but if if it happens, it happens. And do you have a score prediction? Uh, I never make score predictions <laughs> because I always go wrong. <laughs> so will you be watching the game somewhere with with our friend of ours, Gar Brennan, him in a Robbers jersey, and you in a Milan shirt? <laughs> Maybe we <laughs> we might arrange something. I don't know. <laughs> I, I spoke to him today, but we didn't uh, we didn't talk about that. We'll uh, we'll see, maybe. Who knows? Oh, well, thanks so much for your time, Mauro. Uh, very informative and very enjoyable. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. So, Mauro, and uh, that was him, Prof. Another friend of the show. Yeah, Mauro is fantastic. Uh, knew plenty about Milan, as he should do. He only grew up five minutes from the San Zero, or, for, or five miles rather, from the San Zero. So, uh, yeah, it was great listening to him talk about his uh, his experiences. He especially had one with the, with the Derby. And uh, he could barely talk about the 2005 Champions League final. He said it took him 10 years to, to even watch the clips of it on YouTube. It was so painful. Imagine, though. Like, that, is, uh, that is genuine heartbreak right there. But, uh, yeah. yeah, so really, really good stuff from Mauro. And... Um, yeah, would you want, when we move on, Prof, we'll talk about the FAI Cup. The date and the venue is yet to be confirmed. We've, the Aviva has not been ruled out. Patella Stadium is the leading option with the RDS, also a possibility. And could you imagine the shit shithousery if the FAI Cup was housed and the final was in Tallis Stadium and we ended up against balls, yeah. Against balls. Oh, man, what a season. What a season it could turn out to be. So we have to defend our crown and we will be doing it as... Uh, as tough as possible so the draw of the quarterfinals takes place during the pause and the Sligo game on Friday so uh, Atlona home please that'll do me 
Shamrock Grovers 2 we talked about this earlier on received a lot of praise in Galway despite going 2-1 down Michael Letty equalised before the hoops conceded an injury time goal so we'd have Kevin Zeffi setting up Michael Letty so 15 year old for a 16 year old and uh, 80 or 62% possession overall and that is a some stat for a loss in Galway for a young team possibly comprised of maybe I think maybe the average age could be 19 yeah, if you, you could buy the stream, I think, for like a fiver or something. And uh, a lot of Roars fans did. Because uh, the hype around the Sefi Fed is building and building. I actually it's want to check him out Friday myself now. Every week it's getting better, isn't it? Yeah. We're hearing it. We're talking about uh, possible force team appearances before he leaves. See, that's, that's doomed him now. See, Johnny Ward said he'll be in the first team soon. So now he's just going to be Freddie Adil. He's finished. Yeah, <laughs> Freddie Adu. Do you know what? I was looking him up the other day. He is playing for, oh God, I don't know, Oklahoma Arse Bandits or something. <laughs> I don't know who it is. He has been such a fall from grace. He was in Norway Jesus last God. I checked. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, so like we said, if a Galway fan tweeted, he said that performance by Rovers B is one of the best I've seen at Terry Land in a long time. Some absolute ballers on show and Zeffy is going to be a ridiculous talent. So like you said, Prof, you're going to check him out on the Friday and see yeah. what all the hype is about. Peter Fitzpatrick has compared him to Berkey actually. He's, he's sort of like a free spirit that way. Somebody that, I'd love to see him get into the force team and listen, we could do a bazoonu on him if, if that was the case, but we, not, they don't all go that way, do they? These transfers going out of the club. So the next game is in Talon Friday, and this is the one the prop is going to be taking in. They take on Capitelli, who are sort of in free fall at the moment, having led the fourth division for so long. So they are losing a lot of games and starting to lose their grip on the fourth division. So hopefully we can put them to the sword as well. And C-Block hopefully gets off the mark this season as well. That's who I'm looking forward to get a couple of goals. hope so, yeah. On the 19s, Prof, your favourite part of the show. Here we go. I text you during the week. He's keeping <laughs> an eye on the Roadstone Academy, and I said, This is going to be great. So, 19s, Galway, 6 0. They beat them with goals from Nugent, Imaku, and Burzazowski. I think I have that one done now. Burzazowski and Duffy. On the 17s, from 4 0 at Bray with Abidoy, Noonan, and McGuinness on the score sheet. We had 15s, who won 2 1 at Cabotini, and our goal scorers were McCormick and Tanzi. And there was a 7-0 win at home for the under-13s over Wexford with Marshall, Oluwabi and Orazi. So uh, some fantastic work on the Rollstone again. Unbeaten all weekend. I'm very happy with that. Unfortunately, no, the women's under-17s. You notice I went easy on you today, Gar. I only made you yeah, pronounce the surnames. Yeah, I don't think you should. You should let me have it every week. <laughs> so the women's under-17s as well. The hoops were beaten 4-1 at P-Mount. United and um, P-Mount would be pretty much the standard in women's football so it's nothing to be ashamed of our goal scorer was Jesse Stapleton is this the same one that we were talking about before this is the star isn't it yeah I think she scored in the two games so far yeah she's the star player she seems to, she seems but, to be banging them home alright but the, the Cork game on Saturday that was the first time we wore the purple jersey in a competitive match and if you saw on Facebook as well one of the underage teams are wearing a gorgeous black shirt yeah, did you see the sleeves? The sleeves were like a dark grey. I thought that was really nice. Yeah. And um, a lot of, uh, not a lot, but a couple of fans saying that they didn't like the green shorts with the purple. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was a nice, um, I thought it was a really nice change. If anybody remembers, a, I think it was a bruiser bar. You remember the, the bruiser bars years ago? They were purple and green. That's what it reminded me of. <laughs> um, so we bazoonu 
Friend of the show, Big Gav, played for Rochdale. And another former overskeeper, Mark Trevor, started for Bournemouth in the Championship. And do you remember we sold somebody to Brighton? Uh, recently? Yeah, he made the bench. I can't remember his name. It slipped my mind. But he made the bench there recently as well. Oh, God. Oh, Furlong. James Furlong. Oh, James Furlong. Yeah, he debuted at Oriel Park at age 16. That's it. As far as I know, he made the bench. Uh in Brighton so good uh, good luck to him so yeah we are going to move on to the starting 11s and predictions right um, I'm, I, I can't I can't change the team it's unchanged I'm going to go to the same team that's it's been for the last two games or three games well, can't you change have to make one change Gar scales is suspended Gales is out. Oh, Joey O'B. Get him in there. So, Joey O'Brien, Grace Pico, Manus and Goal, Lafley on the left, Finn on the right, McInef, O'Neill, uh, Bourne, Borky, and Green. Just rolls off the tongue at this stage, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I can't disagree with you. Same team for me as well. And as for predictions, oh, do you want to go first? <laughs> <laughs> have, we, have we ever predicted a loss in this show? I don't, I don't think we're going to start now, are we? Oh god, I'm gonna go one all and a penalty win. See, I was gonna say one. I was gonna say uh, two all and a penalty loss, but like I'd actually fancy us on penals. Yeah, I'm gonna go a pico goal, pico to continue with scoring habits in Europe, um, and to open the Ibra. Oh. <laughs> Ibra Himovic is gonna be playing competitively. Yeah, not towards <laughs> it. <laughs> Yeah, Ronaldo, Del Piero, and now Zlatan and Tata. Unbelievable. So, yeah, I'll go for one on the penalty. I win on penalties. And uh, well, we can always dream. That's what it's all about, Prof. We can dream on this show. Yeah, I've decided that we're going to win and it's going to be great. Uh, yeah, there we go. That's it. So, Prof, what are you going for? Two on the penalty win? No, I'm changing, actually, to a shock 1-0 win. Shock 1-0 win. Holding on for dear life. Scar in the first 15 minutes and then just oh my God, clinging, the clinging on for the rest the of the game. The rest of the game would be horrendous. They'll throw Zlatan on at halftime and just they'll do a Van Gaal and put on four strikers. Hasselbank on the wing. Yeah. So we got a quick mention on the Totally Football Show podcast yesterday and uh, possibly the best football podcast out there in my humble opinion. And James Richardson is... Um, top top podcaster and really really inform, uh, informative guy so uh, great to hear that we've got Michelle on that um, yeah excellent stuff so 25 to 1 on one stage profits down to 18 to 1 it's down to 15s now with Paddy's so uh, there's money going on us obviously yeah so uh, it's worth a lump it's worth a few quid you never know You know, it's a two horse race realistically when you look at it a two horse race one of them is fucking 25 to 1 you know it's I know, I know it's a long shot, but I think it's worth a go. Paolo uh, Maldini. Milano, 200 to 1 odds on to qualify. Jesus Christ. Who bets on that? Who bets on it? Well, unless you're a millionaire, like, why would you go near that? But even that, you're still chancing of... No, you couldn't. You couldn't do it. But Paolo Maldini, possibly somewhat famous, this guy, was quoted as saying the following, hopefully we're ready. The game scares us a lot. I think the team is doing well. Forced in their league where we have some issues with ribbage, suspension, layouts, injury, and we're playing away from home. One single toy, we're rightly concerned. And you better be, because the hoops are coming. And it is a 
still can't believe what we're talking about here. Yeah. I mean, you can't stuff. take it. You can't take it too seriously. It's, it's, it, they're just kind of probably trying to say the right things. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, I will. They have to be respectful. Like they have to be respectful. Yeah. The back see the back page of the Evening Herald. It was scared of the hoops. Yes. What, what a headline! Scared of the hoops. Bring it on, is what I say. Yeah. I mean, like I think Bradzer said something along the lines of "It's eleven to be eleven when you get on the pitch," and that's the way it is. Look what we did in Modena, fair enough, there was extenuating circumstances with the weather. Um, we've always held our own against the likes of Madrid and stuff like that. So I think, listen, the game on, anything can happen. We can dream once again. So uh, the uh, pitch looks great, Prof. We've got a couple of previews of it with the LEDs going around and all of the virtual sponsors. So it's going to look fantastic, lit up in lights. Yeah, I, think only, pl- I think only 10 of those advertising boards will say Ocean Electrical. Yeah, Paddy Power have plastered their shit all over the stadium. Fuck's sake. Yeah. So do Pineapple we think, pizza. Uh, do we think Slatan will start? I think so. I don't think. Why wouldn't they? I mean, if they're a little bit concerned, you'd want to be putting your big guns out there, wouldn't you? The fact that he's flying over. I mean, if he flies, he plays, I suppose. That's it. You're putting up. You, you can't take these fixtures lightly. And if you do. You do it at your peril, I feel. So I reckon we'll get a strong start in 11 here because they did update their squad. So that's what you're looking at. So it's... Uh, I, it's, it's the, I was doing some stats for the for the graphic on the website. And uh, I think a lot, of, a lot of people know the big ones. Like, you know, he's won league titles in, what is it, four different countries now. So people know yeah. that one. But uh, a stat popped up. I, I really like this one. He's the first player in Serie A history Scored more than 50 goals with both Milan and Inder. Jesus. Yeah, he just scores everywhere he goes, doesn't he? And he wins everything. He wins everywhere he goes as well. So that, That's a hell of a stat. But, it's um, going to be an experience and a half. My, my final stat of the evening is that we're, we're 18 games unbeaten at Tata Stadium. It's a joint record. So one more would be the all-time record at Tata. Oh, you're killing me here. Yeah. But it's still, if we lose on penalties, though, I'm still counting that as 19. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I'm told, um, I, I'm told most weeks that we haven't won the cup, we drew. Yeah, but it's a, it's a great position to be in, though. I mean, like, because people were talking about, like, oh, maybe Europe will distract them on all this. But I mean, we've we've built up such a cushion now in the league that this is not even a distraction. This is nice. This is a nothing to lose game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we would, personally, we would have, I would have liked, you know, an easier toy at home and possibly to progress through the rounds. But listen, we've got a glamour toy at home. We can't fill out the stadium. We might as well make what we can and give it a go, and then hopefully continue our form into the league afterwards and see what happens. That's probably the best bet we can hope for, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. It's on. So uh, that, it's on RTE. It's seven o'clock. In case anyone gets caught up with yeah. the early kickoff, they already nearly did, but. There's no real plans for it. I think it's all scattered all over talent in Dublin. People are going to watch it. And it's just, unfortunately, I think people are getting fed up now of having to bar still their, their team. You know, it's it's one of those things where we, we've tried to organise venues and with the government flip-flopping over restrictions and things like that, bars maybe don't want to see in and they don't want big crowds and they don't want another Berlin bar gate. And it's just really starting to affect people now where they just don't want to watch their team on the telly anymore we want to get down there and we want to watch it so um, unfortunately it's just one of those things and we have to deal with it but listen Prof I think that's it for this week 
That's it. We're, that's it. We're going to go into this game with high hopes and and we can dream big because, like you said, we've we've nothing to lose here, Prof. So uh, that is it for this week. And we hope to see you in the next round of the Europa League. So keep on hoping. Arrivederci. Star, this is my quest to follow that star. No matter how hopeless, no matter how far, to fight for the right without question or pause. To be willing to march into hell for a heavenly cause, and I know. That my heart will lie peaceful and calm